Thank you for choosing to listen to today's message by Reverend Dr. David Entry. We know you will be blessed as you seek and serve God. We believe that this message will stir up a desire for more of God, even as you listen. Be blessed. Why stay in your sins when you can be forgiven? Why stay in your sins? Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 24, that you will die in your sins unless you believe that I am he. I am. If you don't believe that I am, you will die in your sins. What do you do about your sins? What do you do about your sins? Nothing. Because you can't do anything about your sins because we have already committed our sins and we have been born sinners. So the, what makes the gospel the good news is what do you do about your sins? Nothing. Nothing. What do you do about your sins? Nothing. Hallelujah. Nothing. Just believe in Jesus. Believe that he is the I am. Believe, he said, unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. What do you believe do about your sins? Nothing. Just believe that he is the one who died for our sins. Praise God. In Christianity, this is just fundamental and foundational. I just felt like, let me talk about foundational things today in Christianity. What makes Christianity, uh, the gospel, a good news is that it, it tells you that in spite of the fact that you are a sinner, you are the wicked, you, we, we have sins, and we are the ungodly, God has done something about our case, which we could never have done. So the message is that because of his love, his mercy, which he, uh, because God is rich in mercy, because of his love, which he has towards us, even though we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive. Ephesians chapter two, it says that verse four, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherein he loved us because of the love he loved us with. Even though we were dead, verse 5 says that, even when we were dead in sins, hallelujah, how can a dead man do anything about his situation? We were dead in sins, that is the good news. We were dead in sins and yet God cannot stand sin. He's a God of love and yet he cannot stand sin. Why? Because he's so righteous. He's so holy. His holiness demands that he must be angry against sin. Okay? It's so important to understand this. The holiness of God requires or demands, requires of him and demands that he must have wrath against sin. So the wrath of God against humanity is because of sin. Anytime, the, anytime sin comes into play, the wrath of God must be displayed, all right, there, because of his holiness. He's so holy, his holiness gets offended by the presence of sin. He's so holy, sin offends him and sin provokes his wrath against the object of sin or against, against the sinner. And so... You cannot be ungodly and be accepted by God. You cannot be a sinner and be accepted by God. So how can God, who is so much a God of love, embrace us who are so much sinful? That is the problem. So that the, 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 the love of God and the wrath of God coming together. What will make the love an object of wrath 
and still an, a subject of God's love? How can he exercise his love towards us, extend his love towards us who are so sinful and busily sinning against him, breaking his law? How can he extend his love towards us? All, could that, all that could happen in the cross. So Jesus said, unless you believe in me, you will die in your sins. You can't do anything about your sins. You can just believe in Jesus. That's good news. That's the good news. That's the good news of the gospel. Now watch this. The good news of Christianity. The good news of the church. The good news of the Bible. Many gods are angry with sin. And there's, yeah, so there are religions that represent God. The God who cannot take sin. That's true. But no religion offers forgiveness of sins. So when someone say, I, okay, I believe, I believe, ask them, I have believed in God or this is the God I believe. Can that God forgive sins? Can that God forgive sins? And on if God, that God can forgive sins, on what grounds will he forgive sins? Because in Exodus chapter 34, verse 7, it says that God must punish sin. Okay, verse, 30, verse 6 says that, and the Lord passed by before before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long suffering and abundant, abundant in goodness and truth. This God keeping mercy and for forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sins, and that will by no means watch this. This is where I want that, and, and that will by no means clear the guilty. God will by no means clear the guilty. There's no way He say you are guilty. He say go visiting the iniquities of the father upon the children, upon the children, children, and the third and the, the fourth generation. God will by no means pardon, or God will by no means clear the guilty. If you are guilty, He cannot say, Oh, it doesn't matter. It matters, sins matter. Guilt matter. And so he will by no means clear the guilty. Oh, wow. That, that poses a major problem. So then those of us who have sinned against God, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, Adam sinned and because of one man's transgression, sin passed through all men. So all men became sinners, okay, because of one man's transgression. Remember, in Genesis chapter pray, 22 to 24, Bible talks about how God drove them out from the garden. So as it were, human beings and God, our relationship became estranged. Okay, we became estranged in our relationship and we became, it's like there's now enmity between God and man. Why? Because of sin. So there's enmity between God and man. And guess what? God drove man out of the garden. And so from that time, we became fugitives and we didn't want God, and we ran away from God. Man ran away from God, but because God is a God of mercy, watch this, I'm talking about reconciliation. Now watch this. In Christianity, there are certain fundamental words that carry serious significance, which every true Christian must understand and appreciate. Number one is, not in any particular order, for instance, justification. When we talk about justification, you can never be a Christian without being justified. Why? Because of the issue of sin. For you to be a Christian, and justification is legal terminology. To be justified means that to be declared righteous. 
they have the, 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 you've gone through the process and then the judge says that now you are innocent, you are righteous, go free. There's nothing wrong with you. That is what it means to be justified. So to be declared righteous, okay? So justification is important. In order to have a relationship with the God of righteousness, in order to have a relationship with the Holy God, you must be declared righteous and not guilty. You mustn't be because he cannot clear the guilty. The guilty. God can by no means clear the guilty. So to have a relationship with him, you must be justified. That is why when they gave the law, they thought that men could be justified by the law. But Romans says that by the means, by the deeds of the law, shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Galatians chapter 3 verse 11 and Romans chapter 3 verse 20 and 21 said, By the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his presence. Romans chapter 3 verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in God's sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So no flesh can be justified. All right. So to be and if to understand Christianity very well and to, to work with God purely and understand the way God works, it's important to understand that we are sinners and justification is what brings us in. All right. And now on what grounds shall we be justified? I'll go into that. So justification. And we also have um, redemption. Redemption. So we say, I am, I'm, if you are a believer, you are justified. If you are a believer, you are redeemed. Redemption is a commercial word where something is, something that belongs to you has now been seized and is for sale on the market. And you go and pay and buy it back. So redemption means to recover through payment. Okay. So that's why it says that we have been uh, redeemed by the precious blood we or, or bought by the blood of Christ. Okay. We have been purchased first uh, Corinthians chapter six, verse 20 purchased by the blood. And then uh, Acts chapter 20, 28, whom he has purchased by his blood, by the blood of God. So uh, take care of the flock of God whom he purchased by his blood. Okay. So God purchased that. He bought us. That means to be redeemed in Colossians chapter one, verse 14 talks about be, uh, being, re uh, having redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Okay. So redemption is we have been bought back in First Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19 says that being redeemed not by corruptible things like silver and gold, but by the incorruptible, which is by the blood of the lamb, as of a blood, as of the a lamb without spots, precious blood. It used the word precious blood of the lamb, a lamb without spots. Okay, so we were redeemed by the blood of the lamb. That's where he bought us. So redemption means payment must. There cannot be redemption without payment. So what did he pay? He paid, he used his blood. Bible says that God purchased us. The payment was the blood of Christ. All right, so redemption. So justification, redemption. And one interesting word is propitiation. Propitiation is to appease somebody. So you have offended somebody and you go and do some things to make the person at ease to appease the person, to make peace with the person. The person say, oh, okay, that's fine. I'm, fine. I'm happy with it now. Now compensate. Everything has been paid off. I'm happy. And now propitiation. God has been offended by our sinning and our sins and God must be propitiated. Okay. So appeased. So we have justification, redemption, propitiation. But today, what I want to focus on in this, uh, in this teaching is reconciliation. We have to be reconciled. We were driven out from the garden. Our relationship with God became estranged. But God, hallelujah, thank Jesus that God is a God of reconciliation. 
Reconciliation is to mend broken relationships. Okay. When I, when it comes to reconciliation, there are a few things we have to consider. That let's 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 read Romans chapter five. Romans chapter five. Romans chapter five from verse six. It says that this is amazing. Hallelujah. Romans five, reading from verse six. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Did you see that? The sinners. Christ died. But why must Christ die? Because God is a God of righteousness. God is a God of justice. And he must, by all means, or Bible said, he will by no means uh, uh, clear the guilty. He can clear you. So somebody, So when we talk about God has mercy, you see, the mercy of God is not without a price. <laughs> somebody has to pay the price for you to enjoy the mercy. That is why Christ came as the God man to qualify. He is the only one who qualified to be the sinner's savior. He died for our sins. So watch this. So then what happened is that the wrath of God that we were meant to take. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 21 says that God made him who knew no sin. Okay. He knew no sin to be sin for us. So God treated him like he would treat all of us as sins. God would treat him. So the anger and the wrath of God that was meant to come against sin, God put it all on him. So God saw him like he's the one who has done all the sins. So he, he God saw him or uh, he saw us in him. He saw our sins in him and brought all the anger of all his wrath against him. He released it on him who knew no sin. He was innocent. So Bible says that he was like a lamb without blemish. First, first Peter, as I said earlier, chapter 1, verse 18, 19. He was like a lamb without blemish. He was faultless. No wonder Pilate said, I find no fault in him. John chapter 19, verse 4 and verse 6. I find no fault in him. I find no fault in him. In Luke chapter 23, verse, I think 43, the sinner, the thief on the cross, I think 41, 42, the thief of the cross, this man has not done anything wrong. He, it, it, he was innocent. He was innocent. He was perfect. He was faultless. But God treated him like he is the most guilty. God treated him like you. So when God was judging him on the cross, he, it was you who was on his mind. Hallelujah. But at the same time, he loved you. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for our sins. What should you do about your sins? Christ has done something about it already. Because you are without strength. We were without strength to do even strength. The sins that we, we had always struggled with. The sins that we were born with. The sins that we were born into. What could we do about it? What we could, if someone says that they are calling on a certain name of a certain God, ask them if this God can forgive sins. They can't guarantee, oh, maybe he will. He might arbitrarily choose that. Okay, you will forgive. No, no. If a judge, how can a judge arbitrarily, someone who has come to court to confess, I I, I, I committed all those murders. I, murders, I did it, man. I shouldn't have done it. Judge, I realized I shouldn't have done it. I did it. I, I did it. So please, just accept that I've done it. Then the judge said, okay, you know you're a good guy, so go free. I'll just let you go. That's not a judge. That's not a righteous judge. He must lose his job and must actually be, be fined or be charged. Because you cannot forgive someone who is guilty and just tell the person go because you are, you are a good person. No, you can't do that. So it is not within the remits of righteous judgment 
to let a guilty sinner go free. There must be a, a, a the, the law must, the re- demands and the requirements of the law must be met. That's why Jesus came, to meet the demands and the requirements of the law of God. So that somebody, hallelujah, so that somebody like you and I can be free. So what this? For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Who did he die for? The ungodly. That's good news. That's good news. The sinner. That's good news. So we don't go around telling people that uh, uh, God can never forgive you. We go around, the message of the cross is that Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for the sinners. Watch this. Verse 7 says that for, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, someone would, would even death. Someone who is, okay, a millionaire, who will go and pay the bills of a millionaire? No one wants to do that. Scarcely someone. But maybe somebody who is a good person. So a righteous man, no one will bother to die for. But someone who is a good person, maybe someone will say, I will die for him, maybe. Because people won't just die for anybody. But Bible says, even a good person is scarce for someone to die for. How much more a bad person, a sinner? My Bible says that, watch this. But, there is a but. But God demonstrated, commended, in the King James, commended. I think in the New King James, said God demonstrated his love towards us in that whilst we were yet sinners, we didn't have to stop sinning. We are not finished sinning. We were yet in the act of sinning. Christ died for us. Hallelujah. Christ died for us. Christ died for us. He didn't die for himself. He died for us. And guess what? The deeper thing is he also, he died for God. Because God will be glorified if he's able to forgive our sins and draw us to himself. So God was glorified in the death of Christ. So in the death of Christ, the death of Christ was actually for God. So that God can be, <sighs> now my justice has been satisfied. <laughs> I can so love these people. Look, at. let me show you something. In Psalm 78, 8 verse 38. But he, being full of compassion, talking about God, forgave their iniquities and destroy them not. Yea, yea, many a time, many a time, turn, turn he his anger away and did not stir up, uh, stir up all his wrath. Many times he was supposed to have punished them. But God, because he's slow to anger and rich in mercy, he managed to keep turning his wrath away. Why? To defer the judgment because there's a day coming when Christ will die for sin. And then, for he, he remembered that they were, verse 39, for you remember that they were but flesh, a, a, a wind that passes away and cometh not again. So God remembered that they are flesh and said, okay, I won't, I won't execute part, I won't execute that. He just managed to turn his wrath away systematically until the day. Psalm 85, verse 10, mercy and truth were met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. That was on the cross. But God was waiting that mercy and truth will meet together. Righteousness and peace will come together. It was so, Bible says in Romans chapter 5, that whilst we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more, verse 9, much more than being now justified by his blood. We are justified. We are cleared. We have been cleared. See, watch this. The blood paid for our debts. We are supposed to die. The blood paid. He died in our place. So now we are cleared to go. So now, being justified by being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. The anger of God, we are saved from the wrath through him. Verse 10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, 
much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Watch this. When we're enemies, God reconciled. He trod, he, he made peace. He repaired the relationship. Reconciliation. Hallelujah. He reconciled us to him. He reconciled us to him. How did he do it? Watch this. Let me read it again. When we were enemies, okay, God, uh, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. There, we were enemies. We were still enemies. And on the cross, Christ, God was reconciling us. He was, he was repairing the relationship. How was he repairing? The, the cross was a depiction of the love of God. At the same time, it was a reflection of the wrath of God. On the cross, the wrath of God and the just the mercy of God, or the justice of God and the mercy of God met. On the cross, the wrath of God and the love of God met. So you, when you look at the cross, you can see how God takes sin, the wrath of God against sin. And when you look at the cross, you can see the love of God towards humanity. When you see, the, when you look at the cross, you can see the justice of God being carried out. And when you look at the cross, you can see the mercy of God towards us sinners hallelujah so he said whilst we were sinners christ or god we were reconciled reconciled now our relationship with god has been restored that's the good news man and god relationship has been restored i'm talking about reconciliation let me let's let's quickly look at um colossians colossians chapter 1 verse 20 Colossians 1.20 says that, And having made peace through the, bl uh, the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things to himself. God was reconciling all things to himself. By him, I say, whether they be things on earth or things in heaven, all things to himself. So there is something called uni uh, universal salvation, which is not a, a godly doctrine or uni uh, uh, universalism or unitarianism, or universal salvation. That means salvation of all people. There's nothing like that in the Bible. Not all men will be saved. But, oh, but pastor, you just read it. He says that to reconcile all things to himself. So all things means everything. Even the devils, and he will reconcile all them. No, 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 no. No. See, sometimes you have to read it within the context. He's not only say all things. This is not talking about universal salvation. Watch this. He says that, that before I even explain it further, when you flip back to Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, Wherefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of things in heaven, of things in earth, and things under the earth. Heaven, earth, under the earth. This is universal submission. Whether you are in heaven, on earth, under the universal submission. Okay? But it's not, there's a difference between universal submission and universal salvation. This is universal. Everybody will submit at the name of Jesus. Every demon, every power, every name shall submit, universally submit. But look at the Colossians we read again. It says that to reconcile all things to himself, reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether things, watch this, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. He didn't say under the earth. So this is a particular, so salvation is within a particular realm, sphere. Not things under the earth. Under the earth connotes uh, those who will be going to hell and be punished. They are not part of the reconciliation. That is why Jesus, Jesus, did, not, Jesus did not die to save everybody, including those who don't believe. No, he didn't die to save everybody. He died to save those who believe. Hallelujah! 
Second Thessalonians chapter one, verse seven. And to who and to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus Christ shall reveal, it shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that do not know God and that obey not the, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see that? He will take vengeance. Watch this. Uh, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power? Everlasting destruction. Some people will be punished with everlasting destruction. It's not everybody who will be saved. It's not all who will be saved. So when we talk about universal salvation, it is a doctrine of the devil. It's not everybody who will be saved. One day all will come to him. No, no, one day all will not come to him because he's going to punish with everlasting punishment all those who do not obey the gospel. Romans, uh, Matthew chapter 8, verse 11 and 12. And I say unto you, that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast, watch this, but the children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness and that she, there shall be weeping and ashes. It's not everyone who is going to enjoy the salvation. So when people tell you that Jesus died for all, no, Jesus' death is not going to redeem all. Isaiah, the last two, three verses in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 66, verse 22 to 24. For us, thank you, Jesus. For, for, for us, the new heavens and the new earth, which I will, I will make, shall remain before me, says the Lord. So shall your seed and your name remain. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me, says the Lord. All flesh shall, see, said a time is come when all flesh, so if you are not careful, you will take the all flesh to mean everybody. The all flesh does not mean everybody. Look at the next verse. It tells you it's not every. said, all flesh shall come to, to worship before me, says the Lord. And they shall go, and, and they shall go forth and look upon the carcasses of the men that have transgressed against me. For their worm shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched. They shall be an abhorring unto all flesh. So he said that whilst all men come to worship me, those who come to worship me shall see those who did not obey me. So when he says that, when he says that Jesus Christ reconciled all things, it's not all human beings. It's not universal salvation, and it it, it is not all inclusive salvation. It is all those who believe in Christ, all those, he reconciled all things. Everything that is connected to, re, to believing in Christ is what God, Christ reconciles to himself. Second, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. And all things are of God. You see, the all things have appeared again. Interesting. All things are of God. Who has reconciled, uh, reconciled us to himself? Who did the reconciliation? It's God. Reconciliation is God's own act. God, number one, one of the things I want you to understand about reconciliation is number one. What do you, what, why stay in your sins when you can be forgiven? What do you do about your sins? Number one, remember that reconciliation is God's act. It's not you. So God is the one who, 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 who takes the step. Bible talks about how I read it, Romans chapter 5 verse 10, that whilst we were enemies, God was reconciling us to himself through Christ. Now watch this. In First Second Corinthians chapter 5, it says that, and all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, I like verse 19, oh, hallelujah. <laughs> to wit, that 
God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses unto him, unto them. Not repute, impute their trespasses and has committed to us the, uh, the ministry of reconciliation. So God was inside Christ. So this is God. This is Christ. What, when Christ was on the cross dying, actually said it was God who was inside Christ. What was he doing? On the cross, God was inside Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Let me read it from a different translation. NIV. It says that, verse 18, all this, uh, all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of... Verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them and he has committed God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ not counting people's sins against them let's see how the Amplify puts it 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 18 and 19 but all things are of God who through Christ Jesus reconciled us to himself received us into favor, brought us into harmony with himself and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19 says that it was God personally present in Christ. God was personally present in Christ. It was God personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world. The world, not everybody in the world, those who believe, okay? Those who believe. Christ died for those who believe. Uh, reconciling the world to favor with himself, not, watch this, not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them and committing to us. He did not hold it against men, the sins that we have committed, the things that we have done, the things that we did in Adam. He did not hold it against us, but actually canceled all these things. He canceled sins. Hallelujah. What do you do about your sin? It's been canceled. So why stay in your sin when you can be forgiven? Forgiveness is now made available. Why? Because the sins have been canceled. Not arbitrarily, but it was paid for. So on the cross, oh, Jesus, I like this. I like this. On the cross, God was busily canceling sin. He was canceling. He said, okay, cancel. God was busily canceling. That's why Christianity, we don't joke with the cross. Because the cross is where the love of God and the mercy of God met. Where the justice of God and the holiness, the justice of God and the mercy of God met. Where the love of God and the holiness of God met. The wrath of God and the love of God met. This met in the cross. Watch this. This is what we call reconciliation. God brought us back to himself so that we who have Christ, we can easily go Bible says, therefore, come boldly before the throne of grace. We've been reconciled. We've been re don't you don't have to source your prayers. I'll source your prayers to somebody. It's okay to ask someone to pray for you, but you must also know that you can. You don't need any saints. You don't need any angel. You don't need anybody to stand in. Go to Christ because if you are in Christ, you have access to God. If you are in Christ, you have already been reconciled. God was in Christ reconciling. He loves us. He was drawing us to himself in Christ. Thank God for reconciliation. Thank God for justification. Thank God for redemption. And thank God for propitiation. Let me look at Romans. Let's go back to Romans. I have to be. God is not angry with you. Bible says, Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says that. Therefore, being justified, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through the blood, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you imagine? We have peace with God. I don't have a problem with God. 
I don't have a problem with God. We have peace with God. Listen, if you have not put your faith in Christ and repented, you are still in your sins. And boy, you don't want to die in your sins because the wages of sin is death. God deferred sin. What? Why stay in your sin when you can be forgiven? There's no sin that cannot be forgiven. How Christ was treated on the cross was the worst that could any human being could go through at that time. He died. The, that's why bad, they said, give us Barnabas. Uh, give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. Crucify him. Crucify him. So what should I do with Barabbas? Who should I give? Uh, who should I release? Release Barabbas. Uh, what do I do with Christ? Crucify him. Get rid of him. They demanded for a murderer. They requested a murderer be freed and the giver of life to be executed. Yes, according to Acts chapter, I think, 3, verse 15, somewhere there. Hallelujah! <laughs> Praise God. This is, this, this is get my heart. Look at Romans chapter, Romans chapter 24, sorry, chapter 3, verse 24. Being free, being justified freely. Being justified how? Freely. is free. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ. Who? Watch this. There is redemption in Christ, okay? There is, so have you noticed the word justification has appeared here? And have you noticed that uh, redemption has also appeared here? And all is in Christ. All things are of him. So being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ. What is who? Talking about Christ. God set, uh, has set forth to be a propitiation. You remember I mentioned this word? Propitiation. Propitiation is appeasement so that God can be. Ah. God is dealing with sinners, but he looks at the sinner and says, that's okay. Ah. I'm fine. I'm fine. Come on, come on, come, 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 come boldly before my throne. Come pray. I'm fine. How did he become fine? Because somebody died for the ungodly. An ungodly person. Somebody paid for your debt. Paid your debts. Paid for you. It's called the, the, the vicarious death of Christ. He died in your place so that you, oh, so that you could live in his place. So when God looks at you living, he sees the life of Christ. He sees Christ. That's why he said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but the life that I now live. Romans, Galatians 5, 2, 22, 22, 20. It looks like almost every preacher I quote this scripture. I like it. I love it. He died for our sins. So he says that I'm crucified, never died. And yet the life that I live, I live by faith of the son of God. He said, Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me and I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, Romans chapter 3, as I was reading, whom God set forth to be uh, set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. I'm going to mention a few things from here. Through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are... So to declare his righteousness for the remissions of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. All right, I'll explain what this means. So God set Christ set him forth to be the propitiation, to be the means to appease him, okay? So to be the propitiation through faith in his blood. So God cannot be appeased until someone puts faith in his blood. I'm going to go in that a minute, or to that a minute. So through faith in blood, to declare his, uh, to declare his righteousness for the remission. So God declares his righteousness on people. This is how God is righteous. He removes sin and still is righteous. A judge who has declared a guilty person, you are free, and yet the judge hasn't done anything wrong. On what grounds can God justify a, an ungodly person? On what grounds should he do that? And on what grounds can he do that? And remain just, watch this. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Verse 26, to declare. The another word for it is to demonstrate, to display, to declare. I say, at this 
time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him who who uh, uh, of him which believes in Christ. So once you believe in Christ, God has put a system in place so that when you put your faith in Christ, God can declare you justified and still he's still just. He hasn't done anything wrong. So that he might be just and the justifier of the ungodly. Ungodly who has put his faith in Christ. Look at, jump to chapter 4, verse um, 5. Watch this. But to him that works not, but believeth on him that justifies the ungodly. That is a very serious thing Jews, the Jews in those days couldn't accept. How can Judaism accept that? How can an ungodly person be justified? In what? Because God will not clear the guilty. And you are saying that God can justify. How can an ungodly person be justified? Be justified. What can you do about your sins? What can you do about your sins? Nothing. You can't, so you can't be justified. But thank God for Christ. Christ did everything about our sins. He did everything to clear us. To clear us. He paid the price to clear us of our sins. And still, so that God can say, forgiven, and yet he's still justified. He has forgiven the, the sinner. He has, so sinners can be forgiven. Yes, that's what I mean. So sinners can be forgiven. That's Christianity. That's the good news. So God can forgive the sinner. God can forgive the sinner and still remain just and righteous. God can justify the ungodly and still remain righteous. Watch this. It says that, uh, but to him that worketh not, but believes on him, believes on him that justifies the ungodly. His faith is accounted for righteousness. It's your faith. Why do you stay in your sins when you can be forgiven? By faith. It's your faith. So when you talk about reconciliation, reconciliation is by God, one. Number two, reconciliation can only, uh, reconciliation comes through the forgiveness of sins. Go, Romans chapter 8 verse 4, look at chapter 4 verse 8. It says, blessed is the man who, uh, whom the Lord will not impute sin. Psalm 32 verse 2, the same thing. Blessed is the man whose God, God will not impute sin. You have sin and he said your account, he won't put sin into your account. He won't credit because of your sin. He said, you are blessed. This is the real blessing. This is the real blessing of Christianity where one's sins are forgiven. Bible talks in the verse, I think the same. David talks about the blessing, even at verse 6, even as David, um, Romans chapter 4, verse 6, even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputes righteousness without works. Verse 7, saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Yeah, it's a blessing. Your sins can be covered. How? By the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah! Wow. So God, so number one is the plan of God. When we talk about redemption, uh, uh, so reconciliation, it is God's own plan. God did it. It's God who planned it, programmed it, okay? It's God's own plan. Number two, it can only happen through the act of forgiveness. God must forgive somebody in other for reconciliation to take place. And Bible says that God was in Christ, not counting our trespass, Romans chapter, sorry, First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, not counting our trespasses, it canceled our sins, not counting our, imputing our trespasses against us. So there must be, a, it comes through the act of forgiveness. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 says that, and you being dead in your sins and the, the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has quickened together with Christ, having forgiven you all your trespasses. How many? All. Including the one that was so bad. Yes, all. 
That's why you can't stay in your sins. Forgiving all your trespasses. So number one, reconciliation. Number one, it is, we have to understand that it is by God's plan. It's God's plan. Number two, it is an act of, it is through an act of forgiveness. Number three, it's only assessed by the obedience of faith. You know, you remember we read in Romans chapter four, um, when it says that verse five again, uh, but to him that worketh, to him that worketh not, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justified the ungodly, his faith is counted to him for righteousness. So you believe on God who justifies the ungodly. You put your faith in that alone. So what can you do about your sins? Nothing. Just believe in Jesus. He said, unless you believe I am he, you will die in your sins. So, and as I read earlier on Romans chapter 3, it says that who, who God has set, verse 25, whom God has set forth, um, whom God has set forth, uh, for to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. So faith. So it can only be accessed through faith. Okay. You can access it through faith in the blood of Jesus. Your faith is in the work of Christ, the redemptive work of the of Christ on the cross. Our faith is in him. And then finally, it's accomplished, but it is accomplished by the work of um, uh, substitution. Christ died in your place. That's how reconciliation happened. You were supposed to be dying, but Christ died in your place so that you will live, okay? And he died. So in, in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians again, chapter 5, going back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, from verse 14, for the love of Christ constrains us, it compels us. When It's not the love we have for Christ, but the love Christ has for us. Okay, the love of Christ called those of us who are born again. When you are really born again, you understand these things. The love of Christ, it's, it's why are you struggling to forgive when you know he has forgiven your messy life? Why do you find it so, Christian brother, why do you find it so difficult to forgive? You are struggling to forgive because you don't appreciate what he has forgiven you. Bible said that to him who much is forgiven also loves much. If you appreciate his forgiveness, what he has done for you, you will struggle to forgive others. Because for God to forgive you, your sins, it's a big thing. You may not think it's a big thing, but he's a righteous God. He's a holy God. And he has to go through all that just to forgive you. It's a big thing for God to say, you are let off the hook. For God to forgive our sins, it's a big thing. And if you appreciate and understand the, the, the goodness of God in forgiveness, you will struggle to forgive Somebody, I don't know who I'm talking to. It's time for you to let her go. It's time for you to let, let him off the hook. Let her off the pastor. The feeling, oh, oh, you don't know how God, what God had to go through on the cross to get you forgiven. That's why on the cross, they were killing him. But one of the things he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. He, whilst we were killing him, Bible says that God demonstrated, God displayed, he put on display his love for us. Romans chapter 5 verse 8, that whilst we were yet, we didn't have to finish sinning. We didn't have to stop sinning before he forgave, before he died for us. Whilst we were still sinning, whilst you were still messing up, somebody was dying on the cross for you. That's the love of God. Hallelujah. So he says that, um, First um, Corinthians chapter, it says that verse chapter five, verse fourteen. For the love of Christ constrains us. If you really believe in forgiveness of sins and your sins are forgiven, that love that brought us forgiveness, it will force you, it will propel you, it makes you. You know, sometimes when somebody is so nice to you, sometimes when you are you are about to say no to the person or 
punish the person, do something. Uh, okay, let's say you are driving and someone really is stranded and wants to come in, but you are determined that no one will come. And the person looks at you and gives you such a beautiful smile. Say, hello. Sometimes it actually constrains you to, okay, just go, just go. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. So the love of Christ, this one is not even just niceness. His love for us. Bible says that the love of Christ constrains us because we thus judge that if one died for all, that all, they're not, not all human beings, all those of us in Christ. If one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which, which live should not henceforth live to themselves. Christi well, it's a problem when someone is a Christian and is living to themselves. You're a Christian and you live to yourself. It's all about you. You the, All these issues you have in church is because you are in, in the center. I don't like the way they treated me. I don't like the way someone's talking to me. I don't want... Possibly you are not born again or you are backslided or you don't actually understand what it means to be forgiven by God or what it means to be in Christ. Because if you understand what it means to be in Christ, you won't make all this noise and these issues about what somebody in Christ has done wrongly against you. Drop it. The love of Christ constrains us. And this because... Why does the love constrain us? Because we thus judge. This is how we judge things. Because you judge things this way, it forces you to behave in a certain way. I think, let me see if I've opened it here. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse um, 14. For the love of Christ controls and edges and impels. I'm reading from the Amplified Version. The love of Christ controls, edges, and impels us because we are of the opinion and conviction that if one died for all, then all died. If this is, you see, your understanding, your opinion is what determines how well you do in church. Your opinion about the work of the cross. Oh, your opinion, your understanding about justification, about redemption, about propitiation, about reconciliation, about forgiveness of sin. Your understanding, your opinion about that will determine how well you can do in Christ. For the love of Christ controls and edges and impels us. Why does it do that? Because we... We are of the opinion and conviction that if one died for all, then all. Because of such opinion and such convenience, uh, uh, conviction, such opinion and conviction makes compels, uh, makes the love of Christ compel us, impel us, and uh, 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 and and uh, edges us. The love of Christ, because of this opinion, those who don't have this opinion cannot be cannot, cannot be bothered. There's, I'm, I'm not bothered. I'm not bothered. I'm not bothered. I can't be bothered. I can't be bothered. I will do what I want to do. I can't be bothered because you see, you don't understand. You don't understand. You you are not convicted. You are not. You don't have a proper, healthy understanding of what Christ did on the cross, of your justification, of your reconciliation. So it's by God. It comes through. Uh, it's come through the act of forgiveness. It's accessed through faith. And it's accomplished by the substitution. We are supposed to die. He died in our place. So that's why I said, if we know he died in our place, then we all live. We live for him. Hallelujah. In conclusion, let me add this. Roman, uh, um, Acts chapter 17, verse 30. Acts chapter 17, verse 30. Why do you live in your sins when you can be forgiven? Why do you stay in your sins? If you have not come to Christ, maybe you have been going to church, but you have not come to Christ. You attend church, but you are not in Christ. You believe in Christianity, but you are not in Christ. You have not repented and committed your living to him. I'm talking to you. Don't die in your sins. 
when we say we believe in Jesus, it's not just we accept he died. We actually accept and we commit our living to his death. He says that the love of Christ constrains us because we, this is how we judge. That if he died for us, if you actually judge and understand he died for you, then you would also live for him. You are not living for him because you actually have not accepted. You probably have accepted, but you, are not, you can't be bothered. And you don't appreciate that. I believe that it's time for somebody to start living for Jesus. It's okay if you suffer for Jesus. It's okay if the people don't like you because of Christ. It's okay if you are going through all that because of Christ. It's worth it. It's okay. Acts chapter 17 verse 30. In the times of ignorance, God winked. God said, okay, no problem. <laughs> In the times of ignorance, God winked. But now, commanded all men everywhere to repent. Bible says that because he has appointed a day in which he will judge he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he has ordained that's Jesus Christ he will judge the world by Jesus Christ where whereof he has given assurance he has he has said this is going to happen to all men how did he give assurance in that he has raised him from the dead the father raised Jesus from the dead means that he's going to judge all because in the time of ignorance God said okay I'll wink okay I'll just excuse but now Acts chapter 17 Verse 30. <clears throat> such former such former ages of ignorance, ignorance, God, it is true, ignored and allowed to pass unnoticed, but now has changed or has charged all people everywhere to repent, to change their minds for the better and heartily to amend their ways, abhorrence of their past sins. That's what it means to repent. Change your mind. So if someone say I've repented, but there's no change of mind. You say you have repented, but you have not changed your mind for better and heartily amend your ways. If you are repenting, you amend your ways, uh, amend your ways with abhorrence for the past sins. You don't like the past sins again. You are, but if you have repented and you are still living the way you are, you haven't repented. Okay, let me not go into that. But it says that God, in those times, God has, has just turned a blind eye. It's okay, it's okay. He overlook in the times of ignorance. But now, you can't say you don't know. Brothers and sisters, we have been reconciled. We have been justified. We have been, uh, we, we have been redeemed. And God has been propitiated in the blood of Christ and we have been forgiven. Be ye reconciled to God. And we have been given the ministry, the assignment of reconciliation, reconciling others to Christ. Be ye reconciled to God. Be ye reconciled to Christ. Don't stay in your sins when you can be forgiven. Don't stay in your sins when you can have forgiveness. Any other religion that cannot guarantee forgiveness of sins is not from God. It's only God and in Christ who can guarantee forgiveness of sins because if you die in your sins, you go to hell. And if you are in Christ, praise God, you have to let the love of Christ compel you and live for him. In Jesus' name, amen. We thank God for using his servant, Reverend Dr. David Entry, to share this awesome word. If this message has blessed you in any way, please spread the word by sharing it and send us an email to amen at caris.org. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Twitter for regular updates on what God is doing here at Caris Ministries. Stay blessed.